You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Got Tech podcast, our very first episode. Today, we're going to start off by introducing ourselves, uh, just a little bit about who we are and why we started this podcast in the first place. Following that, we're going to take a look at our teacher tech question of the day, where we take questions from teachers that get sent in to us on a daily basis and try and give the best answers we can. We're also going to do our first ever tech battle royale, where Geis and I spin the wheel of tech to get our very own category, and we then argue each other for who has the better piece of educational technology. The winner of that battle is going to end the show with their own bit of technology wisdom. Hey, welcome everybody to Got Tech, the podcast. First episode here. I'm here with Nick and we're super excited to get this podcast up and going. It's been a long time in the making. So uh, first of all, hey Nick, what's going on? How are you feeling today? Feeling good, Eric. How you doing? Doing wonderful. I think we first want to get into it. A little bit about us, a little bit about what's driving us to want to do a podcast. So uh, Nick, I'm going to turn it over to you. We talked about this many times. Sure. Give us a little background on you and what brings you to Got Tech. What what made us create this? That made you want to jump on board and yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's a weird road. Like as we're starting this, I kind of still can't even believe uh, that it's happening and that we're doing it. But I'm excited and I'm glad for whoever is listening to these early episodes. I'm I'm glad they're out there actually doing it. I'm just, a, first and foremost, I'm a teacher. Uh, I've been doing it for nine years now. I teach uh, high school chemistry uh, in uh, New Jersey. And I think kind of what brought me down this road of trying to spread the word on tech ed is, is really just as a science teacher, and you can, you can uh, agree or disagree with this, but I, I think you end up just sort of using a lot of tech as part of the normal job. There's so, these days, there's so many simulations out there for science and, and even math now that it just kind of came natural. And we sort of found that we were doing a lot of tech stuff anyway. So as, as the years have gone on, kind of build this catalog of things. And nine years in, uh, you have all this stuff. It's like, oh man, I kind of, you know, I know some good things to do and I have some ideas. And you sort of just want to start to tell people about it. I've always been interested in PD. Same with you guys. I know we've done some stuff together in the past trying to tell people about not just technology education, but all kinds of stuff. So that's been a big part of this too. And a podcast for me is just kind of like a really, like a unique way to do that. Specifically and kind of more recently, uh, our school has gone uh, one-to-one, which means that all the kids come to school every day with, uh, I think we have Chromebooks to use. So that opens the door to tons of stuff because, I mean, they've, they've all got them. Whether they're in school or at home, they for sure 100% have access to online tools. Uh, so that's been really great. Uh, so combine that with just learning a lot about really kind of flipped classrooms has been my thing. I'm sure we'll get into that different times as the podcast goes on. You know, you combine the flipped classroom knowledge with the one-to-one stuff, and we just, I don't know, I think we started doing some pretty cool stuff recently, and I just hope to uh, tell people about it. Yeah, I, I agree. I remember you coming in as a young buck. I was already four or five years into <laughs> my career, and uh, I remember wondering uh, what the, what this guy was going to be like. You came in, and you seemed like you were ready to conquer the world, but I didn't know if you were going to do that in your chemistry teaching or if you had other plans to go into something extremely new and really put yourself out there and try new things. It's been a good working relationship so far, but a little bit about me. Uh, I began teaching 
I guess it was 15 years ago, which is absolutely absurd. It's gone by so quickly. Fif- uh, wait, wait, 15 years? Yeah, I've been here at Hopewell for 13, did two years prior to that. I started flipping the classroom probably, I don't know, seven or eight years into my teaching career. And before then, I was trying to find ways for them to use technology on their mobile devices or anything that I could get my hands on, really. Uh, I remember trying to develop a, a way of projecting the microscope up on the uh, big screen up oh, front. Yeah. That that was kind of pretty cool, and uh, I think those were called a uh, scope on a rope. Yeah, I ha- something like that. So, I have one of those still. I yeah, was just sitting there. <laughs> so those were pretty cool, and then I started to get really into tech when my student teacher came in. Her advisor really wanted me to push tech, and he realized that you know I've been flipping the classroom, I've been doing some other problem-based learning activities that were held online. So. While she was teaching, and she was great, she was very uh, efficient, and she took hold of the classroom very uh, quickly, we started to collaborate on tech projects, and we decided to make a biology forensics murder mystery, which I think we actually made you the victim of that, right? I was, I was the dead guy, laid on the floor. Actually, it was outside. No, we laid on the ground outside, and I think you smeared ketchup all over my face. To <laughs> it, <laughs> to, it, was it was a good time. It was, it was fun. a good yeah, time. It was good. After that, I really decided that I wanted to take the leap into technology integration and education. So I decided to go back to school. I'm currently in the middle of my doctoral studies for uh, digital transformation and education. And that just really increased my interest into pursuing this more full time. I started to get the itch to make that jump. So I switched over to media and tech specialist over in our school library. Since then, I've been working with teachers to integrate things such as escape the rooms, both digital and physical ones. You and I did an amazing race that was pretty cool with QR codes. And then I started really branching out for professional development, not only online professional development, but also virtual, such as the EdTech Team Virtual Conference, which uh, I shared with you. It was very cool. We had a lot of very good professionals on there, and they gave a lot of good expertise And then I branched out a little bit to Eric Kurtz's uh, blogs and other blogs like that. His is Control-Alt-Achieve, and I find that as an amazing resource that I pass on to a lot of people. And finally, uh, you and I started to sit down and listen to a couple podcasts. Um, The one that I'm currently catching up on, because he just got over his uh, 100th episode, is uh, Chris Nessie's podcast, The House of Ed Tech, which is fantastic if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, you should definitely go over and check that out. That's a little bit about us. We're going to have a, a good show developed. We're not going to place a time on it, uh, a length per se of per episode. We're going to go until it feels right. Yep. Uh, but we'll get the uh, schedule out as to how often we're going to produce these. We're going to shoot for once every two weeks, and we hope you guys come back and uh, check us out. You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast. You can follow us at gottech.com or follow along with Twitter at WeGotTech. Tech. 
Earlier this week, Nick and I went to a couple of our teacher friends who often come to us with some questions, and we asked if they had anything they would like to ask us so we can use it for this podcast. And we ran into Dave Sherwin, an English teacher, and he came up with a question about screencasting and video editing and using those into the classroom. Let's take a listen. Hi, my name is Dave Sherwin. I'm an English teacher at Opal Valley Regional High School, and I'm looking for ways to incorporate technology into my classroom specifically, how to get students to use video more often or screencasting so that they can, you know, create cool final products for their projects. So Nick, uh, I know that I used a lot of these uh, screencasting and video editing softwares and tools in my classroom as I was going through the conversion from a traditional lecture-based class with the occasional lab to a more advanced flipped classroom. So why don't we get to you because I know that you're really flipping all your classes right now. So why don't we uh, hear about some of the tools that you use? Sure. Yeah, I think more than anything else, this is kind of the area where uh, Geis and I kind of excel because we've just been doing it for the longest, both uh, making videos this way ourselves, but also having our students do it, which is, I think, kind of what Dave was asking about. And anybody who's done this in their class has already heard of these too. But if you haven't, or even if you have, it's always good to be reminded because we think, at least I think they're the best ones. Screencast-O-Matic is my personal favorite. And the one that comes in second place for me after that would be Screencastify. If you're not familiar with these uh, programs, just a real quick overview. They record uh, whatever's on your, your screen, your computer screen at that time as it's recording. That's why they're called screencasts. You can just record your normal computer screen with your mouse pointer moving around, clicking on stuff. It's great for tutorials. If you just need to show someone how to navigate somewhere online, what to click, when to click, the order you're supposed to do things. As a presentation tool, you can just, this is what most of what we do, I think, is any PowerPoint that you would normally use in class for sort of like a lecture-based kind of a thing, you play that PowerPoint on your screen, and it's being recorded the whole time with your voice over top. So you, And they make it so easy for the user because you just hit the record button, Start clicking the, the forward button on your PowerPoint or Google Slides or whatever you're using, and you talk over it just like you normally would in class. That's the best part for me because it just kind of feels natural. Yeah, it's natural, but there's a lot of advantages behind Screencast-O-Matic and behind Screencastify and this whole process of screencasting. For example, I know I had some uh, special ed kids that really enjoyed the note-taking tools that I gave with these screencasts because it allowed them to have their notes already filled out when they get to class and it allows them to really concentrate on what we're reviewing or how to apply that information in our activity that we're doing at that time. So yeah, I agree with you. Those are two great tech tools, but I'm going to take it a step further and I'm going to bring out a video editing tool such as WeVideo. And I know our district that we teach at has a subscription for all of our kids, which is pretty affordable when you really look at it. It's a great way for them to use their cell phones and just video record something. Maybe it's a skit. Maybe they're just reading something in a different language and it's just a way to assess them regarding speaking a language. But if they wanted to really doctor up that video and put infographics and pictures and stuff in there they have that ability through we video and and the great thing nick about we video is they have a free account 
which gives you the ability to make up to a five-minute project for free. And it has a limited storage space and everything, but you're able to upload these videos to a YouTube channel or anything like that that allows you to save them. So you could easily take projects and make them key pieces to your lectures or your lessons and incorporate the the skills of the kids into the classroom and it I noticed that some of my kids that don't like to participate in class didn't mind using the sure. videos so I, I thought that was very cool well I think too I just not to jump in but I the best part I've just used we video a little bit if anybody's listening to this and thinking that they can't edit a video or add music or throw a picture in uh that that means you haven't used we video it makes it so easy just drag and drop you have a picture you want to be as part of the video upload it really simple click on it and move it to whatever position wherever you need it to go and it's just it's it's automatically there it's just a nice way almost to give yourself some confidence too for making videos not only you but your students also uh, just because it's so easy to use. That's a key signature characteristic to all these tech apps is that they have to be user-friendly. I know that a lot of people look at technology and they think, the word technology, I can't, I can't do it. I can't incorporate that. But what I'm finding is if you sit down with somebody and you just show them how to use it, if you go out and you're, you're that headpiece yep. says, hey, let's work on this. And that's really how you and I started doing similar projects sure one of us had the idea the other one showed the other one and and here we go we That's have it. a whole yep. unit it was, it, was, it was really cool last piece of technology that i want to talk about is uh flipgrid and there's this flipgrid fever going out there at first i didn't know what it was all about i knew it was being talked about at every single online professional development every conference that I went to, it was all over the place and I wanted to know more. So since I deal a lot with uh, tech integration and teacher professional development regarding technology, I decided, hey, I want to try this thing out. I got Flipgrid, created a grid, which is your first step. And I just named it professional development questions. What's a grid? I don't know Flipgrid. I'm just acting as the person who doesn't know. Is it like, is it on a, is it web-based? Like, is it on a web like a website screen or? Yeah, basically you, okay. you log into Flipgrid and sure. you have this grid and that's basically your online classroom. Okay, and got it. You add a topic and the topics are the questions or themes that you'll discuss with your students. Sure. If you're a teacher, with other teachers, if I'm trying to get other teachers to answer a technology integration question like Dave Sherwin's question on screencasting sure. and video making, you could put that on there. But the cool thing is, is you share a code with anyone that you who's your audience, and they don't need to create a Flipgrid account. They just get a way of sharing the grid. And it's easy to access on Macs and PCs and Chromebooks and even mobile devices. Basically, I would create this question, and they would hit the add a video button, and they would go ahead and record their video. So they could use their cell phone and take recording, both visually you could see them and you could hear their voice and they would reply and answer to that. And then based on those questions, I could pull those and I can ask other people in the classroom to clarify or maybe answer those questions. Or for me, it just gives me a sense of what professional developments do I need to focus on and, or who can I work with to help integrate a specific piece of sure. technology, which is that, uh, very cool. That sounds awesome. 
Yeah, so Flipgrid, it, it's for real. If you haven't checked out Flipgrid, make sure you go over to Flipgrid, take a look at that, and, and give it an opportunity to change your classroom. Each week, we're going to come up with something that has happened technology-wise in our teaching or something that we experienced. And one of the biggest things that I am getting right now is we have a new push for creating a new professional development, something that is going to be useful for all teachers, all skill levels, all experience levels, all years of experience. And this is sometimes hard to do when you start pushing out new initiatives, trying to understand who's going to be capable or who's going to be willing to do whatever the new initiative is. One of the biggest things in our field is technology has been going rampant. It's been taking over. And this isn't a negative thing. It could be a very positive thing if we implement these tools in the right way and that we're not leaving anyone behind as far as realizing that everyone is capable to be able to complete a professional development if they sat down, they had the time to do it. So in this little segment, we want to talk a little bit about some of the barriers that we hear on a daily basis as teachers, as, as people that are a little bit more tech comfortable. And I, I don't like to use the word tech savvy versus tech unsavvy. You know, we don't like to go there. I like to say tech comfortable and tech uncomfortable. And the reason why is when I think of someone being tech uncomfortable, I think of myself as being able to go and talk to somebody, have a meaningful conversation, and maybe bring them over more towards the tech comfortable side. So this is how I am looking at one-to-one or small group professional developments. I'm trying to identify what makes them uncomfortable and see how I could alleviate those problems to make them tech comfortable, or at least in the middle. So let's just go over a couple things, a couple barriers when when it comes to integrating new technology into the classroom. What are some things that you have heard? Yeah, uh, the, uh, the biggest one for me uh, that I hear from a lot of teachers, even sometimes I feel myself, is the time aspect of it. A lot of teachers feel like what they do already works pretty good, which for most of us is very true. If you've been teaching for any number of years, you've got your worksheets, you've got your plan, you've got your outline of what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and it, it does work. So when you throw something new at people and they feel like they have to recreate something they already do, and if they already feel they do it successfully, they just get annoyed. They, they get annoyed that they feel like they have to do it. They get annoyed that it's going to take them more time to do it, especially because they've already got stuff set up. So it's kind of tough to sometimes show them there are other ways, different ways uh, that might be better. You might like more, uh, even though it does require some effort on your part, maybe to to get it started in a new way. That's a big one, though, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you really identified two there. You identified time, but you also identified people's attitudes towards it. Right. Sometimes I find that as soon as you say technology, it's like an off switch. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to do it. My teaching is successful as it is. It's going very well. As a teacher, I always feel like teachers kind of make that oath at the beginning of their career to be a lifelong learner and that they have to keep staying on top of their game to make it the best for everybody. Every year when you come in, your classrooms are totally different. First period might be a totally different dynamic than third period, which is totally different than seventh period. So as a teacher, I always try to run my classrooms that best supports the way students learn. So I, I feel like these educational technology tools are the same same way. You, you go in, and if you have a 
class that is very comfortable with technology and, and is able to work through it, maybe you don't need to be the expert. Right. Maybe you can be someone that just knows the general practice of it, and you're really just focusing on the pedagogy. I think, too, you got to remind people that it doesn't have to be some big, giant rework of your entire curriculum. That's that's certainly not the way. Actually, you kind of work that way. I don't. I definitely don't work that way. But I did some flipped classroom rewrites this year, and uh, I did it for just one unit. Just one unit. I was... 13 chemistry units. I did one. I did it over the summer because that's when I feel like I do have the time. And I, I, I did the one over the summer because I wanted to have the time to make it right and make it good. And I didn't want to rush through the other ones because I, I do feel like during the year I don't have the time. And I think sometimes other teachers just need to hear that that's okay. You can try just one thing and get really good at that one thing and do it awesome and do it right and slowly integrate that as you do feel more comfortable. Because now that I've done the one unit, I'm ready to do at least three to five more probably this summer. But it's again, it's kind of building that comfortability. And now that I feel a little bit better about it, I think I can move through it uh, more quickly. And it doesn't seem like such a big giant hassle. Yeah, the learning curve as you get going making flip videos, and you have the the editing process down, and you know how to make an intro, it does go a lot, a lot quicker. Another thing is, is we have the the luxury of having platforms like Google, that make a Google Drive that allows you to save things as you're working on it, allows you to collaborate. So the biggest thing that I find is if I sit down as a tech comfortable person with a person that's tech uncomfortable and I kind of walk them through it for the first time and I keep going up and I have the ability to really sit down with them, walk them through it, get them through it to the point where they're like, oh, this isn't that bad. Maybe we can just meet instead of daily on this until I get it, maybe once every other day and I can try some things on my own. And then we could continue to work together, but more as me just being the guide on the side. I don't have to be as one-on-one with them anymore. This is a great conversation. I'm sure that there's other methods out there, but the number one that I find is just sitting down, taking the time to work with someone that's tech uncomfortable and help bring them to your level. Sure. And making it uh, making it manageable and just reminding them that it's not it's, uh, little little bits and pieces. It doesn't have to be some big giant redo of everything all at once. You figure it out as you go. Yeah, little baby steps will get you to the end of the road. So if you're out there listening, we'd love to hear from you on this. On our Twitter, we got teched. We'd love to hear from you, see how you integrate technology in collaboration with someone that might not be uh, tech comfortable. Just share some stories about how you get somebody or tips and strategies about how you get someone from tech uncomfortable to tech comfortable. Go out and find somebody that's tech uncomfortable and help bring them to the tech comfortable side. It's time for the Tech Battle Royale! That's right, it's time for the Tech Battle Royale. This is where Nick and I go mano y mano, one-on-one, head-to-head, against each other with our favorite tech apps, extensions, any type of application regarding tech based on 12 categories. Now what we have is the equivalent of a prize wheel at a carnival. And we're going to spin this wheel, which has 12 categories that we've come up with based on tech needs. And Nick, I'm going to let you go ahead, kind of go over the first couple of categories, just so we can give our listeners a chance to understand what we're battling here. Sure. The first category on the prize wheel is uh, 
productivity. These are apps or uh, things, uh, technology elements that kind of help teachers be more productive with their time and uh, save time with daily tasks. Uh, we have video and screencasting. Video and screencasting, pretty obvious, just different tools that help uh, teachers and students create video and or screencasts. Learning management systems. That's pretty obvious just to kind of help teachers push out assignments, uh, manage what's happening in their class in an electronic way. We have a STEM category for our science and math teachers. We have a language category as well as one for browsers and navigation. These would just be tools to help navigate the internet in the best way possible for a classroom. All right, so those are six of the 12. The other ones are fun and games. So these are things that could help students be productive and learn at the same time while having a little bit of fun. We have history apps or extensions, art and music. These are some of my favorite ones because it allows you to get really creative and there's a good piece where you could go cross-curricular. We have teacher favorites. These are basically anything that we're all interested in as teachers to make our lives a little bit easier. Student favorites. These are the ones that students keep coming back to asking for more. And finally, spinner's choice. Nick's going to spin the wheel first this week. We're going to allow him to go ahead and do that. Whatever comes up, both of us are going to pick an app or an extension or a piece of technology that fits into that category, and we're going to battle it out until we debate a winner. The winner is going to be able to give their final tech words of wisdom for the week that we can uh, live on. All right, Nick, give it a spin. And the category is productivity. Nick, I think productivity is going to be one that I'm going to be able to pull out here. What do you think? I pretty much, uh, I've got the winner lined up on this one, guys. So I think you got your work cut out for you. I'm going to actually kick it off because I feel that confident with my particular piece of tech for teacher productivity. This is one of my favorites because it actually helps teachers with the thing that takes up probably the most time. And, and let's be honest, can sometimes be the most annoying. If you don't know what I'm talking about yet, I'm talking about grading. Most time-consuming part of any teacher's day is sitting down and grading those tests, those papers, lab reports, whatever you have to do. It also sometimes, it feels almost like, not that it's wasted time, because of course it's good to give that feedback to your students and let them know what they're doing right and wrong, but I think the part we all really enjoy is getting to the lesson planning or working with students one-on-one and helping them with whatever they need individually. So anything that can cut back on grading is a, a sure win for me. Uh, Fluberoo, if you don't know, it's actually an add-on. It's a Google add-on, which means it works with Google Sheets. It kind of uh, ties in and helps you with your Google Sheets in terms of grading. A quick overview of the add-on and how it works. You start off with a Google Form, which is a really uh, simple application from Google that lets you create electronic questionnaires. Normally, the way the Google Form works is all the student answers to questions, they just kind of get pushed to you in a Google Sheet, and then you kind of have to look at it and probably grade it yourself. But with Fluberoo, once you've got your standard Google form created, uh, it allows you to, in that form, make an answer key so that when you assign the Google form and the students submit their response, all you do is uh, click a little button that says grade it. And in the spreadsheet itself, it automatically highlights, I believe it uses different colors, but I'm not quite sure on that. It highlights the right answers and the wrong ones. Some new features. It even gives you um, analysis tools such as average scores, average scores per questions. It flags ultra low scores all kinds of distribution graphs. Obviously, the real benefit is it didn't take any time at all besides setting up to Google Form, which you probably would have done anyway. And that's a great point. You set up a Google Form there. But my thing is, is 
and don't get me wrong, I used Fluberu for the first couple of years after uh, Forms came out, and it's it's a great tool. Fluberu is a great tool, but to me, it's a little outdated. You said you're going to go in and create a Google form, but now Google has given you the opportunity to make an answer key to push back instant feedback to your students. So I would say that though Fluberu isn't completely outdated, it is adding a step to your workflow, which brings me into my app. Instead of adding steps into your workflow, a teacher has to be one who multitasks. That's almost a common characteristic that teachers need to have. If you have that ability, you're able to kind of de-stress in, in tough situations. My productivity app is called OneTab. I like to multitask, especially as a tech integration specialist. I am working on seven, eight, and nine different projects during the day, whether I'm working with one teacher or four different teachers. What I do is I downloaded an extension called OneTab. Now OneTab allows you to work on a project and usually I'll have seven, eight, nine, 20, 25 different tabs open. And then all of a sudden I have to stop that project and go to a different project. So what OneTab does is it allows you to hit the icon and it will condense all those tabs into a list in one open tab. So the list will be there and anytime you wanna revisit something, you could either upload all of those or you can just pick one at a time. Mine is one tab. It allows you to multitask, allows you to stay organized, and those are some of the key characteristics that a teacher must have. Here's uh, <clears throat> here's my problem with one tab. Who needs 30 tabs open at one time anyways? I'd be having panic attacks the whole time. What, do you, what could you possibly be doing that requires 30 tabs? Hey, if I need to pull resources from 30 different students and I need to bring their pictures over and I want to leave each one of those open so I can gather information into a table without having to open and close all those tabs, that's a great way to use it. You don't need to have just 30 tabs open. You can shoot for the moon, go 50. I mean, my personal <laughs> PR is 42 tabs. Whoop. And I, I was working on a Google site project that had to do with the digital escape the room. It's, it's doable. You could get up there and you could close them all down except for the three or four that you are working with, but it's going to organize it in a way that it is manageable. So you could actually read the little descriptor at the tab. I suppose so. Here's, here's my one remaining question. And I think what this may be what decides who has the winner here, because I'm still going to say saving time on grading more beneficial than uh, being able to condense your tabs as exciting as that may be. Did you say that Google Forms in and of itself features a grading tool? Yeah. As, it, as, it, as it exists right now? You can make an answer key, yes, in Google Forms. You know what that means? What does that mean? I think that means you win. Yeah, I, I think that, that does mean <laughs> I win. I was I was happy to hear you pick Fluberu because I had an instant defense because I was very familiar with that tool. Sure. Well, I just before you, people do need, I th still think Fluberu is a great tool. And if you haven't used it before, you should definitely check it out. If Google Forms already does that, maybe it's not the best one. I believe that does it, so I think I'm going to uh, go right into my victory speech right after these words. You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTech. That is right. One tab takes down Fluberu for the win. This gives me the opportunity to bring my words of wisdom to close out the show. As a teacher, I often question myself, wondering if I'm doing my absolute best and wondering if what I'm doing is making a difference. 
I'd like to bring in H.B. Adams' quote here. He says, Teachers affect eternity. No one can tell where their influence stops. We as teachers have the ability to influence our students. We have a, the ability to make a huge monumental impact on who they're going to become. And the way that we do that is by through engagement, by making real life experiences that allow students to remember what it's like to solve real world problems. So I challenge you to go out there and become a change agent. You have the ability to change the way that you teach that's going to empower our students to become a better form of themselves. They will learn the skills necessary to solve problems and to make a world a better place. Until next time, go out and become a change agent. You can follow us on Twitter at WeGotTech or on our website at GotTech.com. Have a good week, everybody.